Hi friend, my name is Amy Joy and this is the Make Prayer Beautiful podcast. Recently, I had the privilege of going to dinner with six or seven couples and of those six or seven, I knew Bob and his wife and I had briefly met two of the other couples but had not met anyone else. I knew of them and my husband coming into this didn't know anyone. (laughs) And so anytime you're in a situation like that, it can feel a little awkward. Like, where am I going to sit in this space where it's not going to be super awkward? And, you know, like, I don't know how to organize and arrange that, but that's the Lord's responsibility. So I thought it was so precious how this turned out. My husband and I had driven in that day and had basically arrived about 10 minutes before we were supposed to meet for dinner. So kind of like, whew, good timing. Good thing there wasn't any extra traffic or we would have been late. But also I was like, I actually do have to go to the women's room before dinner gets started. And when I got back, people had already started to sit down. So, you know, it was kind of like, well, I can sit on one side of the table or the other. That's like, only two choices really. And so I was so privileged to sit next to Peggy Fitzpatrick. So David and Peggy Fitzpatrick have been friends of Bob's for years. They used to live in the Nashville area and are considered, I think, by the Nashville community, giants of the faith. And so it was such a delight for me to sit next to Peggy. And she's um, from a Mennonite background, very soft-spoken, And so in some ways, if I had even sat across the table from her, it would not have, I it would not have had the same effect. And I was just absolutely thrilled to hear stories from her life. And so one of the things that she told me was that there was a season back in the uh, 1980s where her husband had been the pastor of a church in Michigan. And then he felt like it was time for him to start praying the Lord put a burden on his heart to pray eight hours a day. And I looked at her in astonishment and I was like, wait, uh, uh, how did you pay for that? You know, kind of, that's lovely, but that's like literally a full-time job. And in his case, because I believe he did it seven days a week, more than a full-time job. And so she said, the Lord provided. And she told about how they realized he would not be able to pray eight hours a day in their Michigan community because he was well-known enough and embedded enough that people would come and talk to him, which makes sense. And so they thought about where they could move, and they thought, people keep asking us to Nashville, wanting us to come, so let's go there. And they found a little house at the end of a road, and they could get it for $200 a month. And Right before David was going to start his eight hours a day of prayer, somebody from a completely unexpected source sent them a check for $2,000, which today is still kind, but in 1998, that was 10 months rent. So you can imagine whatever your mortgage or your you know monthly living fee might be times 10 coming from a completely unexpected source a very generous gift and the ability to say, you know, now move forward. And for the next seven years, perhaps that was how David lived. He would go in, close the door to his study and his wife would homeschool the children and 
managed the house and they lived by faith. And then at the end of that time, the Lord sent them off to Russia to, which I guess at that point would probably be the Soviet Union, but or former Soviet Union maybe. Anyway, I forget exactly my Russian history around that time. But then, so they were there for a couple of years because the Lord had prepared them for that time. And anyway, so that, like, that's the kind of story that is like, oh my goodness, I love how the Lord provides. It's a real faith building story for me. But along with that, she also told a story about the more recent events in their lives and the ministry to Israel that they had started and different camps, like cross-cultural camps that they would run and, and how they had a particular direction that they were going. And then they were going to meet with the governor of Tennessee, Bill Lee. He's a godly man. Everyone I've ever spoken to holds him in high regard. And so Bill Lee was, um, they were going to meet with him three days before that meeting COVID shut the world down. And so at that time, nobody really knew how long uh, or what would happen. And so they had rescheduled once, but it was quickly apparent that the world was really shifting. And so they, they canceled that appointment. And then she said the, that ministry just, it kind of just went away. You know, there, that was the end of it. And I think there was, <laughs> I don't want to say there was a hope in that story for me. That would not be a fair characterization, but there was in some ways, almost like a relief because here is a man and a wife who uh, he would say he's a pioneer and she would say she's a helper. So it's kind of like, I'm the helper to the pioneer. And, and clearly if you spend seven or so years in prayer, eight hours a day, you know, God's voice (laughs) and you have a beautiful and intimate walk with him. And yet It's like, okay, we're going to do the next thing based on what the Lord is burning in our hearts around Israel and around uh, whatever the specific ministry was. But then there's a complete stop. And I said to her, how do you deal with the complete stop? (laughs) How do you navigate that? And she said, well, as a pioneer, you keep going. And then when there's a, a roadblock, then you go to the Lord and say, what is this about? What would you have me do? But she said, the truth is that when we look at the scriptures, we see a lot of roadblocks. We see Joseph who faces a roadblock and can't move forward. We see, um, yeah, there's, there's challenges related to this that for whatever, 12 or 13 years, maybe longer, Joseph was in all manner of places that would not seem to get him where his prophetic word said. But she also had a beautiful comment that the Jews rejected Jesus because he didn't look like the prophetic words indicated. And as believers with several thousand years of a church um, history and theologians analyzing the scriptural passages, we recognize that Jesus fulfilled part of the prophetic words. And then at the second coming, he'll, he'll, fulfill the rest of them. But that's a prophetic word that has not been completed even in, I mean, Jesus came whatever, six or 700 years after the prophet Isaiah. And so now we're whatever, 2,700 years later uh, since the prophet Isaiah. 
still waiting for the complete fulfillment. And so I think the ability to say, you move forward as you hear God's voice and trust that that's what he's, that's what he's saying, but don't be discomfited. Don't be upset or disappointed or think you've gotten it wrong if it doesn't turn out the way you're thinking. So yeah, Lord, I, I'm thankful for the wisdom of the saints. <laughs> so thankful for that, Jesus. I pray, Lord, for the ability to hold well all that you have for us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.